Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Tonight I'm excited though because I've got a word and I'm believing uh, that transformation will happen in our lives right? Uh, That every time we come into the presence of God, that something changes, something can shift. Uh, And and I love that as we connect with God, that he realigns our hearts, right? And so tonight I'm believing uh, that as as I speak, that as God speaks uh, through this word, that actually something is, is going to be reignited in us. I love that thought of fire, that something, the truth, the alignment of God's word is going to transform the, the inner parts of who we are. Is that good? Yeah, so you're ready. So this is one of the things about who we are as a church, right, is that uh, you're allowed to be responsive. And I love this morning when Ben talked about uh, listening, right, and one of the things that makes listening really powerful is responding to the listening. And so I encourage you, if you like it, think it on the inside and you can say it on the outside as well, right? It's good. Uh, so just, uh, this is a space, right, where we're allowed and we connect, we, we wrestle with the word, we engage with it. And I love uh, that as we do that, something happens in us. Is that good? Uh, so tonight I'm talking around our full access series. So we've been doing this series for uh, just over a month and it's exciting. Like it's I don't know, if you can get hold of the incredible truth uh, that we've been sharing about the fact that we have full access into God's uh, kingdom, that we come uh, because of what Jesus did, and we get to come and be in a place of relationship with him, it's an amazing thought, right? And just because you may have been a Christian for a short time or a Christian for a really long time, but actually it's it's a kind of constant reminder of the fact that we have access into God's kingdom, that we have relationship with him. And I love that when uh, you read in Matthew 27, and so in Matthew 27, it talks about what happens when Jesus dies. Uh, And as Jesus is crucified on the cross, uh, the veil in the temple tears in two. Uh, So if if you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably read about this. But if not, uh, what happened was in the Old Testament, the temple was the place where the presence of God dwelt. And first of it was in the Ark of the Covenant, and then they were in the temple. And so only a few people could go into the Holy of Holies. Uh, The priests were allowed, they'd tie a rope on their leg because if they died um, in the Holy of Holies, then they had to pull them out, right, (laughs) with a string on their leg. And so uh, the incredible thing is that the the veil separated uh, the Holy of Holies from the outer temple. But what was amazing is that through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, we have full unrestricted access to God's presence. And it's an incredible thought that we get to come and be in God's presence. And this is the verse that we've been reading a lot for this series. In Matthew 16, verse 19, it says this, And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. That's a significant promise. No barriers uh, between us and heaven. And because of what Jesus accomplished, we have full access to heaven. And I I love that thought that we have unrestricted access. I don't know about you, but uh, if you've been to a concert, right, and you see these people that kind of wear this, like all access pass, right? And you kind of wonder how they've got that. Like what's special about them? They seem to kind of wander around with this like swagger, like, yeah, I can go wherever I want, right? Uh, or maybe they get the, like they give away prizes, like a backstage pass. You can meet the, you know, the musicians or whatever. Or 
if you've ever flown on a plane, has anyone ever traveled kind of more than like economy class? Anyone ever been kind of business class maybe? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. One time, one time I hurt myself in Tonga, which wasn't great, uh, so not ideal. But what it did mean is I got a five business class home from Tonga, thanks to my insurance. It was awesome. So I went beyond the curtain, right? I was there with a neck brace, wheeled in in a wheelchair, but I was there beyond the curtain. And I was like, this is probably the only time I'm ever going to afford this. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to eat all those fancy almonds because, you know, I'm going to make the most of it, right? But <laughs> unrestricted access, we get the ability to go. And uh, often in life, there's an uncertainty about whether you're welcome. Have I qualified? Am I good enough? Do I deserve to be invited? Have you ever been to that party and you kind of, like your friend like convinced you to go and then when you get there and you're like, oh, I don't know if I was actually invited and you're kind of like awkwardly, oh yeah, I came with that person they told me, you know, so you kind of feel like you have to qualify every time someone introduces themselves to you. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm with them. Yeah, it's like we have to kind of state our connection in order to feel like we're welcome. But when we've received salvation, and we're aware of the things that we've done wrong, right? We're, we're aware, we're acutely aware of the areas of our lives that are not perfect. I don't know if you feel the same way, but you know, like, you know, it's like all those embarrassing things you did as a kid. You can remember those. And if you're like me, you like replay those things in your head sometimes. You just have that moment flashback and all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I remember yeah, that silly thing that one time I did that thing. And you know, but we can start to believe that that restricts our access to the kingdom of heaven. That actually those things, you know, they become a part of who we are. And, and, and in, in the, the deepest of it, we actually, without even realizing it sometimes, think, oh God, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm welcome here. I'm not sure if I have what it takes. I'm not sure uh, if, if you want me in this environment, God. I'm not sure if you want the fullness of relationship with me because I'm not perfect. And the incredible thing over the series that we've been uh, praying that we'll have a greater understanding of our position in Christ. That when we understand that, that we can walk on authority and power and access everything uh, that is available for us. And I, I think one of the most powerful truths that, uh, the liberating truths that the gospel declares is that God not only forgives us, but he calls us and adopts us into his family. Jesus died to make us children of God. And Galatians 3, uh, 26 to 29, I encourage you to take notes. I've been talking about the power of note-taking this morning. It's good. In Galatians 3, 26, it says this, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That's an incredibly powerful thought. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And in verse 29, and now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. See, we are given all of the rights and privileges that be, that to bear God's name. In John 1 uh, verse 12 in the NLT, it says this, But all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. 
See, Jesus' death and resurrection has made a way for us to receive the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. Through Jesus, we have complete and free access. Ephesians 1.3 says every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ Jesus. Man, that makes me want to think, like, what are all the spiritual blessings, right? So I can claim them for my life, right? Believing, actually, God, what is it that's available to me? What are the things? What is the kingdom of heaven like? Because I have access to that. I've got access into his kingdom. And, and I love, you know, I've been talking recently to some people who have responded with the, to the gift of salvation. And I love those moments and opportunities. Because for me, it's just remembering again the, the incredible grace that we've received. Right? The fact that we've been saved. We got talking about grace and uh, considering the position of where we are in Christ. And see, I know in my head that I'm a child of God. But has life caused me to question that? Maybe to kind of approach him like as a servant? Like, God, oh, I'm not sure. You know, rather than with the confidence of a daughter, is, is what I do uh, which determines where and I can access God? Is it what, like if I've ticked all the boxes, that I feel like, man, God, I can come into your presence and in the parable of the lost son, Jesus shines the spotlight on two brothers and uncovers their approach to the father. So I want to read, if you go with me, it's a little uh, lengthy, but I'll use my best storytelling voice, all right? So uh, the parable of the lost son, I'm sure many of you have read this before, but let's go. So Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, I love that thought. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son, uh, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music uh, and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But his answer, he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you gave me, you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of you who squandered yours, who squandered all your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. 
My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything that I have is yours. It's a powerful story. If you're taking notes, I wanted to, to write the thought, slave or son? You can, if you're a girl, you can put daughter in there. Slave or, just sounds better. Yes, and slave, and, slave or son? In Luke 15 and 1131, Jesus tells the story. And sorry, and while it's pretty familiar to us, uh, most Christians today, you know, the, the first hearers would have been shocked by this thought. The younger son is rude. He's pretty presumptuous. He rejects the father. But the father doesn't rebuke or discipline him. Instead, he gives way and waits until the son returns. The wastrel son comes back with a plan. He'll offer to be a hired servant in his father's house. At least then he'll be fed. But the father will not receive the son as a servant. He doesn't even listen to the plan, but calls for the symbols of position, dignity, and authority to be bestowed again on his son. It says this, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Something similar is happening with the older son. See, he's been slaving away for his father, obedient and undemanding, but distant. He refuses to celebrate his brother's return, shaming his father publicly. And again, the father approaches him with scandalous humility, inviting him into relationship. The older brother began and became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. The older son remains stiff and cold-shouldered, unwilling to admit his brokenness. He can't enter into grace. See, what's incredible is that the, ref the father refuses to engage with both sons on their terms of engagement. That he says to them that, that, that they propose for the relationship. Like, that, okay, go, this, is, this is how we think it should work. But the father refuses to engage on that level. And I wonder what the son maybe might be thinking. Something like this, maybe. You're probably really angry with me, Dad. I knew I blew it. So I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting much. I, I, I won't ask for much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it right this time. I'm just going to stay at a distance from you. Fa Father, I can't believe that you would accept me as I am. The incredible thing is that the Father responds, none of that. Here is position, authority, dignity. But first of all, embrace. I've been waiting to embrace you again. There's room for error, but I'm not disappointed in you. See, meanwhile, we get the sense that the oldest son is thinking, I've been working hard for you. I, I haven't disobeyed. I haven't asked for much. I've been a good boy. But Father, I can't believe that you really want to be abundantly good to me just because you love me. Maybe the keys, can you come down? Got to mix it up tonight. The father responds, none of that. Those were never the grounds for our relationship. That was never the basis of my approval for you. 
You have held me at a distance with your work ethic and your good behavior, but I've been waiting to embrace you all these years, for always. See, there's a real danger that, that over time we can become like either son. Like we think as a slave when God is offering us the position of a son. This grace that he offers is hard to comprehend. No deals, no promises, no pretense, us as we are, and God loving us. I'm going to say that again because I think it's incredibly powerful. No deals, no promises, no pretense, us as we are, and God loving us. See, that's incredible. Us as we are. In, in every part of who we are, God is coming and he desires relationship with us. He desires us. And our access to his kingdom is not about what we've done. Not about, but it's about who he is and his love for us. My question tonight is, is where are you positioned in this moment? Where do we stand have over time, we realize that, man, we've messed up. Maybe there's things that we'd like to change. We're, we're really believing and trying to live a life that, that responds to God. But we recognize over time that actually our, our worthiness, our ability to approach God is kind of being limited by the fact that we don't really think we've got what it takes. That we're not really sure that what God is wanting for us. But our access to God is through relationship with Jesus and not through our own actions. In John 12, uh, verse 1, uh, John 1, verse 12, it says this. But all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus came that we might be reunited with God and enter into the relationship of his uh, as sons and daughters. And see, the incredible thing is when we accept the gift of salvation, we take up his position as a son or a daughter. And so tonight, I wanted to do this right now because I... I believe that there's something incredibly powerful in the relationship that he offers us. And one of the things we love to do as a church is every week give people an opportunity to respond to the invitation of salvation. So just where you are, maybe you can close your eyes in this moment. Maybe you recognize that, that you have never responded before to the, the gift and the invitation to a relationship with Jesus. And tonight, the incredible thing is that He stands as a Father ready to receive us. He's seen us a long way off, and His desire is to embrace us. His desire is for relationship with us. And so tonight, you know, what we love to do is uh, just acknowledge who's responding so that we can walk with you on this journey. We can uh, give you the things you need. We can help support you. But really, we're tonight believing that actually God is opening up uh, his life and his desires for relationship with us. And so in this moment, I just want to give you an opportunity. You can raise your hand and I'll see it. If that's you this evening, if you're saying, I'm, I'm choosing today to accept the gift of, of relationship with Jesus, of, uh, of the sacrifice that Jesus has given for me in this moment, I'd love to be able to pray with you. So I want to just give you a moment. If that's you, you can just raise your hand and I'll see it. Maybe you've done that before a long time ago, but you recognize, man, I'm coming back. I'm coming back into relationship. God, I want relationship with you in this moment. That's awesome. I see your hand. Thank you. Cool. Who else here this evening would like to do that? Cool. 
Listen, I see your hand. Very cool. This is the greatest decision you can make. Us as we are, God loving us. I'm going to pray a line and you can pray it after me. And we just uh, give our lives to God, really just choosing to accept Him. So, dear Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus that we may be reunited with you. Thank you that you see me as a daughter, son. Thank you that you love me. Thank you for your forgiveness for the things that I've done wrong. I pray that you would walk with me, that you would lead me, that you would guide me, and you would give me your Holy Spirit to show me the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give those guys a round of applause? I mentioned this morning a thought about full access. And we've been talking about this mainly in terms of us having full access to the kingdom. Uh, But tonight I'd like us to consider what it means for us to give God full access to our hearts. You know, I'm struck when I read the parable of the lost son about how incredible God's love for us is how incredible it is. I uh, have two little boys and they have a Bible uh, that that like the kind of Bible they get when they get dedicated. It's awesome. And it says this, God loves Abraham or, you know, Bible character and God loves me. And so Timo, who's two, he knows God loves Joseph and God loves me. And I started saying God loves Timo and he says, God loves Timo. It's really cute. So, but we learn that God is love. We learn that. We learn as a small child, God is love. And I was listening to a sermon recently, and the pastor changed uh, the words in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the famous love chapter. If you've been to weddings, I'm sure you've heard it. I wanted to do that uh, just to read it as she had read it. It says this in 1 Corinthians 13. Because of God is love, she put love where God was, right? So God where love is. So God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. God does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. Each of us has the opportunity to choose to trust God, to allow Him to lead us and and to reveal His plan for our lives. And we can trust in Him. And tonight it's really simple. I wanted to invite you just in this moment. You know, I think this is one of those things that as Christians, no matter how long we've been in relationship with Jesus, we've got to come back to that point of asking ourselves a question, where do I stand? Am I approaching God like a slave who thinks that it's only kind of by my good works that I can do this? Because we can slip into that really easily, right? We serve and all of that like out of good intention. But to know that God loves us. Sorry. 
that's God's love for us. That makes the difference. The incredible thing is that As we live lives, understanding our position as sons and daughters, it has an impact on the people in our world. Right, I was talking with my e-group recently and I've blessed with a beautiful bunch of ladies and I love them because there's space to be real. There's space to be free. They challenge me, they encourage me when you're having these kind of challenging moments that they're there, right? And it's that reminder again of the fact that I stand as a daughter, not because of what I do, right? Because I know, man, like, let's be real, this week, I would have loved my quiet times to be better. And I've got to the end of the week, and I'm like, oh, I, didn't, I didn't get where I wanted. And it's good, right, to have a goal of what we want to do. It's good to have desires where we're like, God, I want to I be able to encounter you. But we've got to come back to the position of, like, how God's love for us is not dependent on how many boxes we ticked this week, of how much we did of of who it is that we've connected with or what it is that we've done. And tonight I love the thought that His love for us is based on his, Him. to read you a quote by Mary Ann Williamson. You might have heard this. It's made famous by uh, Nelson Mandela has read this quote. And I, I, I love it because it calls into, to, to me something deep. And I wanted to read it to you. It says this, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant gorgeous, talented, fabulous. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people the permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. See, I'm really passionate about us being a people who know who we are in God, right? That creating an environment where we're not competing against one another. We're not coming... Feeling like we have to strive, feeling like we have to kind of remove ourselves from the presence of God because we messed up this week. But actually to know and understand that it's because of what God did for us that we stand with full access to His kingdom. It's because of who we are in Him that we have access. Recently, uh, we took our baby gate off. It was an exciting moment. It's our kitchen. Very simple. But 
man, it's made such a difference because I used to nail myself when I was going for a drink of water in the middle of the night. Like, forget that it's there and just keep going. You just, yeah, hip as you walk past. But, you know, there was restricted access to our kitchen. I used to hit against it. And it's an exciting thing to remove it, but it, sh- it was like a real picture of what I felt God wanted to do tonight. Like, that, that removing it, it's the unrestricted access. For some of us, it's realigning our thoughts back to the truth that we are sons and daughters, not slaves, that our standing in Christ is because of who God is and His love for us. For others, it's choosing to open up our lives and our hearts to God. Maybe, team, can you guys come? Being open and honest with Him about how we're feeling, saying, God, here I am. God, I'm opening my heart. I'm giving you full access. I'm not hiding the parts of who I am. I, I'm, I'm going to just be real before you because that's a vulnerable place to allow God to see the fullness of who we are, those areas that we keep away because we don't want Him to come. But actually, we can stand, and it doesn't determine or like change His feeling and relationship towards us. That's the incredible thought, right? The, the story of the two sons is that actually that doesn't change the way that the father wants to see him. He makes the rules, right? He determines the relationship. He set it out. He said, this is what it's going to take for relationship with me, that it's not based on how you think it should work, but actually my desire is to embrace you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.